Hey leaders, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a free event that I'm hosting, your personal leadership audit live workshop. I've put the workshop together because if you want to stand out as an exceptional leader, you have to know yourself inside and out. Understanding your strengths and weaknesses is critical. And for that, you need a high degree of self-awareness and a commitment to self-reflection. Now, if you're committed to unlocking your leadership potential, then working through a self-assessment like this is going to help you to quickly identify a path to higher impact. I'll be leading you through a deep dive into the seven imperatives of my No Bullshit Leadership Framework, so that by the end of the session, you'll know exactly what areas you need to develop if you really want to stand out from the crowd. We're only opening up 150 spots, so register now at yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. That's yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more. Access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hello, hello, Em here, and I'm doing a very quick introduction for the special episode we're running this week. Today, you'll hear a replay of day one of our Motivate to Elevate Bootcamp that we ran yesterday, setting the bar, raising the standard of leadership excellence. So that means that day two is today, which is the 23rd of August, Australian time for those of you listening um, in the future. (laughs) So catch up on day one in this episode, and then you can go and register for days two, three, and day four if you want to upgrade as a VIP. The link is in the show notes.
But let me tell you why we're running this bootcamp, just so that you know if this episode is for you. It's no secret that focusing on motivating your people has become more critical than ever before. In today's fast-paced, competitive, and ambiguous landscape, it's not unusual for leaders to find themselves struggling to maintain their team's motivation and to drive exceptional performance consistently. The pressure to achieve outstanding results, especially during economic downturns and times of uncertainty, can leave many leaders questioning their capabilities or suitability for leadership. That's why we created this free bootcamp to provide proven strategies to motivate your team and optimize their performance. Simple as that. Today's episode is a complete replay of day one, and you can download the accompanying workbook via the link in the show notes. Now buckle up for the next 30 minutes and get ready to light a fire in your team that stays lit. Enjoy. So first of all, as I said, welcome everyone. I know your time is precious. Uh, it's the first time we've run anything like this boot camp, so we've made sure to include a huge amount of value for you. Now, this includes not just these boot camp uh, videos and webinar sessions, but also the workbook stuff, which I'll talk about in a moment. Why are we doing the boot camp on this particular topic, the motivation topic? Well, we're hearing from our community that motivating their people is one of the biggest challenges at the moment. And when your people aren't motivated, their work is sloppy their productivity is low. They're missing their targets, not just the stretch targets, but even their easier targets they're missing because they have a level of apathy. They feel personally dissatisfied with what they're doing, and they tend to focus on a whole bunch of small things that don't really make a difference. But when your people are motivated, you can really tell the difference because they have a completely different energy. They are enthusiastic. They deliver on their stretch targets. They deliver on every target and they hate missing them. They're fanatical about it. You you can feel their growth, their capability, their development, and they want to get better all the time. They're hungry to learn and hungry to grow. Now, if any of this is resonating with you, then you know that at least you're in the right place because the next three or four days are going to be sensational in answering this particular question. And of course, motivation is only one piece of the bigger leadership puzzle. But it's a great place to start if you can see your people dragging their feet and starting to miss their goals. Now, there are absolutely no silver bullets to this stuff. You know that. But I'm going to give you some action steps to make this happen, which if you apply, you're going to get some results. There's no doubt about it. So what's ahead in the next three days or four days for our VIPs? We've got three days of free training. It's 30 minutes or so, live with me each day, and then 30 minutes of self-paced activity in the workbooks after each session. Now you'll have access to the replays for a limited time, unless of course you've got a VIP pass, in which case you will have lifetime access to all of this content. Uh, It's easy to register to become a VIP and you can do that at any time over the next three days separately. And for the privilege of that, it will cost you 57 Australian dollars, which I think at the moment is about $7.80 US uh, given the exchange rate. So uh, Tasha's gonna put, I'm just kidding. Uh, Tasha's gonna put a link in the chat And today's topic is setting the bar, raising the standard of leadership excellence. Tomorrow on day two, we're going to talk about a motivation x-ray. What is it that really motivates your people? On uh, Wednesday evening US time, Thursday morning in Australia, New Zealand, Asia, we're going to talk about performance amplified. How do you enable growth and measure process? 
And then of course, our VIP only session, which is Thursday night, uh, US time, Friday morning, Australia, New Zealand, Asia, feedback fuel, improving performance through effective conversations. All right, enough preamble, let's get into it. Let's talk about setting the performance bar. You can't do this properly without some serious thought and some serious introspection. You've really got to chew over this quite deeply. And there are a few things you need to do to work out where you are now. So the first thing is to assess the culture. And there are a number of indicators that I look at to determine whether or not the culture is healthy or unhealthy and in varying degrees, of course, it's on a continuum. And the very first thing is that I look at the culture and determine whether or not it is a results-driven culture or an activity-driven culture. Do we do the work just because it's work we've always done? Or do we do the work because we're absolutely focused on getting the benefits, the outcomes, and the value that comes out of the back end from that work? So just be really careful about this process focus, because I see a lot of larger organizations falling into this. They think that if we develop better processes, then things will improve. That's only part right. If you develop a better process, all you've got is a better process. If you can't use that process to get a higher value outcome, then you may as well not do that work and you may as well not invest the resources. The second cultural area I really like to look at is the level of accountability. Now, in a really good culture, you will have people who step up and aren't afraid to take accountability. They want the accountability. They want to be able to make decisions and determine their own destiny and to basically drive a result through to its end because they know that's where the satisfaction is. In many organizations, and I've, I've led in many of them, you can have an all care, no responsibility culture. And that's where everyone looks at everyone else to make the achievements. Everyone looks to everyone else to solve the problems. And when there is an issue, everyone hides and hopes to not be seen. So you want an accountability culture which is single point strong. You don't want an all care, no responsibility culture. Uh, the other cultural elements I look at, is this a learning organization or a knowing organization? You, you've got the, the difference between you know, knowing teams and learning teams. Knowing teams, knowledge is power. People protect their knowledge and they protect their power base. And they don't share it. They like to sit there being very, very wise, but not actually doing anything with that to help other people to, lead, to reach their level of wisdom. So a knowing culture basically is very stagnant, whereas a learning culture is a culture where everyone wants to share and grow and learn from each other, and they contribute uh, generously and fearlessly at any point in time. The next cultural indicator I look at is, uh, is it an autonomous culture or a micromanaging culture? And you can tell this by looking at where the decisions in the organization flow to. Are people making decisions that are appropriate for their level at the point at which they make them? Or do those decisions have to flow up the line two or three layers to get to someone who has sufficient authority or sufficient uh, power in the hierarchy to make a call? Now, there's a very big difference between micromanaging and inspecting progress, and we might talk about that a little bit later on. But certainly, micromanagers are getting into the detail and making sure that you're in control of what's going on. Whereas inspecting progress, it doesn't mean you take your eye off the ball, but it means that you're asking different questions about how people are going with their work. And then the final cultural thing I look at is, where is the minimum acceptable standard? And at all levels of uh, management that I worked in, I always used to love doing management by walking around. You can learn so much just by walking through a workspace and seeing what people are doing, seeing the energy that they bring, the sense of urgency that they have, the amount of interaction. You can just gauge so much just by that. 
Now, obviously, in these post-pandemic times, it's much harder. And this is one of the things that I think suffers by not having people co-located. Now, it's great that we have a good mix of, you know, work from home, work at any location and work in the office. But by the same token, when you do get the opportunity to get people together, use that wisely. Take advantage of it. All right, now, once you've worked out what the culture looks like, it's really important to understand what the current performance is. So I always like to have a look at the historical results of a team or the broader organisation. And you've got to do a bit of homework to drag all this up, but it's really worth doing. You can learn a lot about an organisation by seeing how it performs. Um, for example, if you look at year-on-year uh, -year comparisons, where are we going? Or prior corresponding period comparisons. Trend is your friend. You want to see a trend of improvement, a trend of uplift in performance, not a trend of stagnation or a trend of decline. So be really careful about that one. It's normally pretty easy to spot too. You don't have to look too far. Uh, I'm a huge one for drawing comparisons because you can become insular very, very quickly. And if you just look inside your own team and you're very um, focused inside that, you don't compare yourself to anyone outside. You don't know whether you're performing well or not. All you know as you're doing the things that you've always done. You don't necessarily know whether they're having an impact. And you certainly don't know how you're going against other teams who are similar in your company and in the organization and in the, um, the broader industry. So if you can look at benchmarks, that's fantastic. Any sort of industry metrics you can get your hands on are useful. And they've got these in all sorts of areas. So you can find productivity metrics, you can find financial performance metrics, you can see how many um, HR support people are allocated per 100 employees? All of this stuff is available if you do a little bit of searching, and it's really worth doing. Then the next thing about performance is to assess the latent capacity of your people. And when I say the latent capacity, that's the capacity and the talent that you haven't tapped into yet, or no one before you has tapped into it. Now, this is easy to see if you've worked in multiple companies, of course, because you've got a better basis for comparison. But remember that when you go into any role, you get corrupted fairly quickly. And there's a great example of um, a, a manager that was hired years ago, several, several layers below me when I was running CS Energy. And he came out of the oil and gas sector. And he was a, a, a really good hire at superintendent level. And I spoke to him the first couple of weeks. I was on site there and said, you know, how's it going? How are you settling in? And the colour just drained from his face. He said, I can't believe it. There are there are so many gaps here in the processes and I'm really worried about this and I'm concerned about that. And, you know, I've really got to get on top of this. And he was, he was like quite shaken. I ran into the same guy about six weeks later. And I said, mate, how's it going? He said, oh, fantastic. Everything's going well. And I said, mate, six weeks ago, you were almost apoplectic about the state of things here. And he says, oh, yeah, well, now I understand it better. So in other words, he'd been corrupted by status quo. Oh, we do it this way for this reason. We do that for that reason. And so when you're assessing capacity, it's better if you have a fresh set of eyes to help you with that. That's, that's really useful. So assess the capacity of your people because your best people on any given day are going to give you maybe 80% of what they've got, maybe 85, right? So imagine what your worst people are giving you. And if you can get an extra 10, 15% out of every individual, you're really going to see some performance supercharging. Uh, you have to look at individual quality and capability. So, um, you know, if you've been working with great people, people or in great teams before, then you'll be able to extrapolate this and see what you're dealing with where you are. And um, finally, in terms of skills, capability, performance, I look at uh, skill gaps, right? Where are the risks? Where are the areas where we have key person risk? 
or where are the areas where we're going to run into a position where we don't have sufficient skills for that particular core area. Now, of course, CS Energy is running a bunch of coal-fired power stations. So, like, what are you going to do there? No engineering students coming out of university say, I want to learn how to be an engineer in a coal-fired power station, right? It's hard to get the skills in. And so the capability and knowledge and skill that you have in the organization is declining and dying. So instead of trying to build that up inside the organization, you've got to look for smarter ways to do it, which we did. So there's all those skill gaps to deal with. Uh, the final thing is, you know, you've got to work out where you're going to get um, uh, information from that realistic, realistically gives you a sense of where you are. So you, you might have a multi-year transition in place here. There, there are no silver bullets, right? You've got to break this into small stretch targets. Any target you set has to be achievable. It has to liberate talent. And it has to be something that you can get your people engaged in, right? They've got to feel as though it's doable. If they feel it's not doable, they're not even going to try. They'll just shrug their shoulders and say, well, who's going to be able to do that? Not us. So we'll have more on this tomorrow. Uh, you've got to set these improvement targets across all dimensions, which we're going to talk about in a minute, by month and by quarter, like make them easy to see and easy to bite off. And then constantly ask, what can we do to improve? What would that take? And what you're looking for is this culture of continuous improvement. You want your people to constantly be thinking, what can we do to improve? All right, how are we going? Let's talk about the minimum acceptable standard. Now, the minimum acceptable standard has to come in two areas, both behaviors and performance. So in terms of behaviors, the first thing is, I look for things like openness and honesty. Now, information gets filtered no matter what. All of the information that comes up the line to you has been through several sets of hands, several sets of eyes, and it's not malicious, but people just need to choose what to tell you. And when they choose what to tell you, they will filter things out. And so honesty and openness is super important. Uh, the next behavioral thing is a singular focus on value. And I see this as a behavioral issue. Are you strong enough to do the things you need to do to go after the value that you're trying to achieve? Or are you just going to take the easy path and let people do what they want to do? So the singular focus on value is really behavioral in leadership. There's the willingness to challenge the status quo. What you're looking for is change resilient people. You want people who are going to make change and drive change and accept change and be comfortable in change. This is one of the things you have to think about in your behavioral standards. You want people to behave in a way where they engage in robust debate and challenge, right? You want them to, to bring out the value of the diversity in the team. When you look at a team, you, you can have a Noah's Ark of diversity, but if you can't find a way to liberate that and bring that to the table, well, you may as well not have it. And to bring that out, everyone's got to be prepared to contribute. Contribution isn't just accepted, it is expected. And this is a cultural thing that lives in every leader's behavioral approach to the job. Uh, another behavioral issue is dedication to outcomes and willingness to shoulder the burden. You want people who are going to take personal responsibility for what they do. And when it comes to accountability and blame, you don't want people who are always doing this, you know, someone else's problem. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. There was, a, there was something else came and, and thwarted our efforts. You don't want that. You want someone who's going to stand up and say, I've got this. I'm taking it forward. I'm going to do it for good or bad, for better or worse. I'm going to own the outcome. Now, the interesting part, the performance standard. You've got to have the framework for this. If you want to lift the standard that your people perform at, you've got to be able to articulate and communicate exactly what that means. 
And this is sometimes really hard to do unless you have a really good, well-worn framework. And it's really hard even if you do have a really good, well-structured framework. Now, we developed a, a, a foolproof framework in modulative leadership beyond the theory that shows you how to do this. The performance standards apply to each individual leadership level. So for each level of leaders, like you know, frontline leader or a, a senior executive reporting to the CEO, you'll have a different standard, which is the same for every person at that level who's leading. And it's going to be a standard that people can understand what you want. You have to give separate categories because you want a multifaceted assessment. And what you're trying to do is define what's acceptable and what a good job looks like. And this is the day job, right? This is just your run-of-the-mill day job. So what does good look like when we're talking about things like um, financial performance? At the CEO level, good might be uh, getting a, a return on capital of you know, 16%. When we're talking about a team leader, a financial good performance might be meeting the budget set. So at different levels, it means different things, but really you're after multifaceted categories that you can rate people against. And at CS Energy, we had six categories in our uh, performance standard. We had safety, leadership, management, commercial, uh, building capability in others and working across boundaries. And on each of those, you've got to rate people, you know, from one to five. One is, hey, you better put immediate attention to this or this is not going to end well. And five means you're performing exceptionally well. And you've got to have a minimum acceptable standard that says, on average, we've got to get a 3.5 across all dimensions or you're not doing your job. Now, the multidimensional aspect of it is really useful because what it says is you can't just be an awesome commercial person at the expense of everything else. You don't get a free kick on your leadership just because you know how to make money. And I think this is a really important way to get a rounded leader who's doing the job of leadership. And you've got to make it clear to everyone what this means. So, of course, you've got, you know, one-on-one -on -one meetings is where it happens, formal, informal, you know, wherever these meetings take place, it's your opportunity to make it clearer what you're actually looking for. So these have got to be regular. They've got to be happening all the time, and you've got to be doing those micro-adjustments. If you think you're going to explain to someone in a six-monthly or yearly review how they're performing and give them guidance on that, you've missed the boat, and you've lost your opportunity, and it's never going to work. This has got to be an ongoing thing. It's the leadership dialogue. Now, obviously, you're working inside an organization, so you have to get guidance from your boss or look at the existing organizational standards or um, just make sure that you know, you're doing things the right way that are consistent and accepted and that you're not going to run into trouble there. But you know, you've got to have diligence in rating. You know, as much as you uh, have diligence in you know, rating your people, they've got to have diligence rating theirs. And different leaders are harder or easier in the way they evaluate performance. So you've got to be aware of that and make sure that you're picking up those anomalies and doing some sort of normalization. So just a quick case study. Um, setting the standards is just the first step in motivating your team to higher performance. A great real-life case study of lifting performance bar to improve outcomes is from one of our Leadership Beyond the Theory alumni, uh, Jess Hubbard from Effective Freight Solutions. Now, Jess was having real difficulty getting all her people to perform to the minimum acceptable standard. And she had really patchy performance going across all the team members. But after doing leadership beyond the theory, she was able to clearly define what that minimum standard is. She was able to clearly communicate it with each of her team members. And then she was able to put a process in place to help improve their performance or, if they didn't lift their performance, to manage their performance so that they could reach the standard or be exited. Now, to say it's improved her business's output is 
an understatement. They've doubled their revenue since doing the program three years ago. Uh, we had another student, Victor Tran, who said the program helped him to improve the consistency in both the standard and the way he messaged that standard to his team. And as a byproduct, this has enabled Victor to implement a simpler and more focused work program where priorities and value levers are absolutely crystal clear. And that's exactly what you're looking for when you raise the standard and get it to a point where your people understand it with absolute clarity. That's exactly what you're looking for. Now, I just want to quickly talk about high-performing teams. We all say we want to build a high-performing team. And in fact, I can't remember seeing a, a, a resume or a, attending an interview when I was in corporate, that a leader didn't say, I specialize in building high-performing teams. And most of the time, it just wasn't true. Now, some people define a high-performing team as a team where everyone gets on well, there's widespread agreement on most things, everyone reaches consensus about decisions, and decisions that are made by consensus are the worst decisions. Uh, <laughs> I'll explain this in a minute. Uh, they're the worst decisions. And no one argues. There's no tension. Now, that is not a high-performing team. That is a team that is mediocre at best. There's no other way to say it. In a high-performing team, you get a completely different set of dynamics. So for a start, high-performing teams start with high-performing individuals. That's it. If you don't have high-performing individuals, then you haven't got a high-performing team. It's impossible. Everyone will say, oh, but all of my people are high performers. It's probably not true. Uh, it was never true in the teams I ran. I, even if I got to you know, 80% high performers, there was always someone who was marginal. And I worked day in, day out for years on this stuff. That's what I focused on first and foremost. I realized the power of leverage. And to motivate people, you've got to throw them in a team where they're in a team of performers. Everyone wants to be on a winning team, not a mediocre so-so team. And if they're on a team like that, their motivation is going to get sucked out of them really, really fast. So when it comes to the high-performing team, you've got to have high-performing individuals. And if you haven't, then you're kidding yourself. So just have a think about that. And to get high-performing individuals, you have to do a lot of work, a lot of work in explaining the standards, um, uh, holding people to account to the standards, calibrating them, coaching them, helping them to understand where they're succeeding and where they're not succeeding helping them to work out where their gaps in capability, knowledge, and skill are, and to help them lift their performance so that they can be high-performing individuals. And it takes a lot of work. And not everyone makes it. If, you, if you've got everyone on the team you inherited and they're all still there, it's likely that some of them aren't performing. It's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's the normal distribution curve of life. So just have a think about that. Now, as a leader, you get to choose. You get to choose how strict and diligent and how high you want to set that performance bar. You get to choose that, and that's okay. But just be honest with yourself about what it is you are actually choosing. Do I have a team of high-performing individuals? Okay, so that's the very first uh, bar you've got to get over. The second is that high-performing teams get superior results. There's no other way to say it, and there's no substitute for it. So you can't have a high-performing team without superior results. And when we talk about superior, what are you measuring yourself against? Well, you know, it's easy. You can measure yourself against other teams inside your organization. That's okay. That's one way of looking at it. But you really want to have something a little bit more solid. I was, I was never 
happy comparing myself to someone down the road. It was always going to be a case of let's compare ourselves to the top people out there. What, what are we doing compared to the top team? How are they performing? And if we can get a benchmark and look at those, then we'll have an idea whether or not our performance is superior or average. Once you put this team together with high-performing individuals who want to get superior results, you're going to find that these high-performing individuals actually motivate themselves by definition. They are the people who motivate themselves. They're the ones who actually keep going and keep doing the work and keep driving everyone else forward. It's a self-sustaining, uh, virtuous circle. And if you can get into that, it's sensational. So we've got resources for this session that were emailed to you before the session. And you can also find them in the Facebook group. But Tash is going to put a download link in the chat now. Uh, wherever it is, Tash, can't be far away. And um, Emma and Tash will be over in the Facebook group now if you want to do the activities and share with the group how you went. Now, there are two activities. The first one is assess your team. There's a high-performing team assessment. And that's uh, a really good one just to go through and say, okay, I think I've got a high-performing team. Have I really? And there's just you know, a handful of questions there to answer, which you can look at and say, okay, is it really a high-performing team? Just remember, two criteria. High-performing team has high-performing individuals high-performing team gets superior results. And then we've got a bunch of other stuff there for you as well. The second activity is what's the standard you want to set? And there are a bunch of questions to answer around that. So what's the, what's the, what's the standard you want to set? And as I said, as, as a leader, you get to choose. Every leader gets to choose. And just because a leader above you chooses a lower standard doesn't mean that you can't choose a higher standard because you want to aspire to do better with, with the people and for the people you've got on your team. Uh, day two, same time tomorrow, uh, Tuesday evening in the US, Wednesday morning, Asia, New Zealand, Australia, the motivation x-ray. What really motivates your people? Let's have a look at motivation at its core. Uh, day three, Wednesday evening, US, Thursday morning, Asia, New Zealand, Australia, performance amplified, measuring progress and empowering growth. And then day four, as I said, a VIP bonus. You can still purchase this for 57 Australian dollars. Thursday evening, US time, Friday morning, Australia, New Zealand, Asia. This is 90 minutes with me. And it's feedback fuel, improving performance through effective conversation. And we will do as much Q&A as you have, right? That's it. If you keep asking questions, I will keep answering them. So head over to the Facebook group if you want to discuss anything from today's session with the other leaders in the group or with Em and Tash from our team who are going to be there now. Uh, Let's face it, we're not running this boot camp to help you fill your day. Our purpose at Your CEO Mentor is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So we want to make it as easy for you as you can. We're going to put an incentive in place. To incentivize you now to actually implement, we're going to give a $200 Amazon gift card to one lucky leader who completes the workbook activities and posts a summary of what they learned into the Facebook group. So Tasha is going to choose a winner at random and uh, we'll reach out to you when she's decided who that is. So head over to the Facebook group to find out more. The link is in the chat. All right, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you got something out of that. Two more days to go. We're gonna get really down to the nitty gritty of it tomorrow uh, when we talk about the motivation x-ray and uh, have a great rest of your day or night. I'll see you tomorrow. I really hope you enjoyed day one of Motivate to Elevate, setting the bar, raising the standard of leadership excellence.
Download the free accompanying workbook and register for the next few days of training via the link in the show notes or at yourceomentor.com forward slash bootcamp. I'll look forward to next week's episode. Do you really understand value? Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no bullshit leader.